Hi, I'm Michael Croker, and this is Park Life. I've worked in the Australian theme park industry for a little over 30 years, and in this podcast series, I spend time in conversation with the people inside the business of making memories. Thanks for joining me. I hope you can subscribe, rate, and review. Enjoy the ride. Renee Sutar is currently the General Manager for Marketing with Village Roadshow Theme Parks. Her role is broad and her professional journey has been quite an interesting one to date. In this week's episode, we sit and talk through the science and processes behind the marketing of some of the premier theme park sites in the Southern Hemisphere. Can you tell us your current title? Yes, I'm the General Manager of Marketing for Village Roadshow Theme Parks. How long have you been doing that? Oh, I think I've been in this role for three-ish years or thereabouts, but um, been with the marketing team in Village Roadshow Theme Parks for coming up 18 years. Wow. Yeah, so my entire professional career here with this uh, amazing business. Where did the, the, the love, I guess, or the idea of theme parks even come from? What were you doing before theme park life? So um, I started uni straight out of school and actually um, got into medical engineering. So Mm. my dad was an engineer and I was like, I'm going to follow in dad's footsteps. Um, Engineering sounds really fun. I was pretty good at maths and science at school. And um, I remember going to my first semester of um, university and, you know, walking into this like maths lecture with 500 people. And, you know, I was like, this is not for me. I just wasn't enjoying it or engaging with it. So I think I did about six months of that course and I was like, no, I'm going to take a break. And at the time um, I was working at a news agency. It had been my high school job. And um, I took a break from university and focused working at this news agency. And I think by the time I was 18, I was managing the news agency. And I came to a pretty hard realization that I'd um, reached the pinnacle of my um, illustrious news agency career at the ripe old age of 18, <laughs> managing that store. And I was like, it's time to head back to university. So I ended up doing, oh, it still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. It's so hard at that age yeah. to, to know. So I, um, I signed up for a commerce and uh, a tourism degree. And my first semester of university um, for that particular degree, I did a marketing subject and I got a seven, which was the the top sort of score that you could get. And I was like, oh, maybe I've got a bit of a, a knack for marketing. And I was always quite interested in tourism. So I went down this path where for four years I studied marketing and tourism. And as I was coming to sort of partway through my degree, my auntie at the, um, actually said to me, hey, Renee, why don't you get a job at the theme parks? Um, while you're studying so you can start to get a bit of experience and I was like oh that's a cool idea so I applied for a summer job over at Wet Mm -hmm. Wild in um, our guest services which is the equivalent of our customer service area Um, joined up and and that was the beginning for me at Village Roadshow theme parks wow yeah how did you find that at Wet and Wild what was that experience like working in the front line of guest service I loved it it was honestly um, you know, I've worked at these theme parks for a long time, but it was one of the best jobs I've ever had here because mm. summer at Wet n' Wild, like that park is heaving. So, mm. you know, you can have 20 people in that office at any given time. You know, the the vibe is amazing. The park's pumping. People are having a wonderful time. So you're getting to engage with them um, on their great experiences, helping, you know, find lost kids, um, helping just making sure guests are having a great day. Yeah. And I 
honestly loved it. And, and I just kept coming back every holidays after that till I finished my degree. When you finished the degree, did you have a sense that you wanted to apply all of that learning into the theme park industry? Were you distracted by any other thoughts of another field? No, I was fortunate that um, we have a program here at Village Roadshow Theme Parks um, which is called Multi-Hire. So it provides opportunities for existing team members to work in other departments. And um, I think somehow word got out to the team in, in the marketing area that I was working at Wet n Wild and I was also studying marketing. And so they reached out to me and said, hey, Renee, you know, we got a bit of extra work on. Do you want to come and just do some hours with us in addition to your Wet n Wild role? And I was like, amazing. Yes, please. So in parallel to the Wet n Wild guest services, I was working for the marketing team. And then as I finished up my degree, a position became available in the marketing team as a coordinator, which is an entry level role. And I was fortunate enough to secure that role. And then and off I went from there. So mm. there was never any doubt. It was like the path was set and mm. you know, I was, I was energized about working here and, and already starting to understand the business from an operational perspective. For me, it was so advantageous coming into the marketing role because I, I knew both sides. Mm. Was it daunting coming in as a young person into that a, a pre-established team and a pre-established culture with people that perhaps have been in the game a while. Were you a little daunted by that? Yeah, I was definitely nervous. Mm. Um, I think too, you know, um, in your youth, it's just, you're not necessarily as confident as you are, you know. Um, there's an expression about um, wisdom and basically, you know, you have an experience and once you can remove the emotion from that, it becomes um, a blessing of wisdom. So. Mm. I was definitely apprehensive and nervous back then, but also eager to learn and um, and prove myself and do a great job with you know voracious work ethic. You know, mm. I was happy to put in the long hours and mm. um, and and I loved what I was doing too. Yeah. And that makes it so much easier when your cup is full because you genuinely, sincerely enjoy what you're doing. Was there mentorship there for you? Were there one or two key people that were there at the right time for you to kind of be taken under a wing? 100%, yeah. yeah. So in particular, um, there was, I worked for um, a lady called Wendy Chettle and she was the brand manager at the time and we worked um, in, a, in a marketing team together on a number of the brands and she taught me so much and um, she's since left the business, um, started a family and and we're still in touch so mm. you know still chat regularly and catch up and having that mentorship was invaluable because it you know you sort of you're on a path um, and I think you make mistakes and then having someone to sort of guide you and put you back on that right path for mm. me was um, was so incredible and I'm really grateful mm. um, that I had that opportunity um, to help guide me and, and get me to where I am today. It's a question I ask most people when I sit with them because I know it was an important part of my early career and it seems to be a common thread for a lot of people that have grown in the industry from the from the grassroots up. So it's terrific to know that you had that. For people that might be listening in and wondering, when we talk about things like brand management and marketing the brands in a way that talks to the marketplace and, and, and talks to to the, the guest or the potential guest, could you give us a, a little bit of a, a 101 on 
what brand marketing actually is and what what is it with regard to theme parks? Yeah, definitely. Um, my remit in this role is quite broad. So I look after the brand team, um, our digital marketing team, digital development, PR and comms. And PR and comms in particular was my background. And a lot of the path, a lot of the time I spent at the parks was in that area. So that we're talking public relations yes. and communication. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so much industry lingo in marketing. I know. I'm, just, I'm just trying to unpack <laughs> no, it a little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. Um, and and a creative team as well, as in um, uh, creative like television, radio, um, digital assets, etc. All sits un- under me. But I think the brand is kind of you know at the heart of what we do. So here at Village Roadshow Theme Parks, um, we have a diverse portfolio of brands that we market. So we've got a resort, um, theme parks. Uh, evening dinner show with Australian Outback Spectacular, Top Golf, etc. So there, we have a lot of different strategies in place for the different brands. Um, but it's really sort of, I guess, trying to just showcase that experience that um, guests can have uh, that is unique um, that we offer as well. So there's an acronym in marketing called the USP, which is a unique selling point, mm. and it's really trying to identify what is at the heart of what you do that people can't do anywhere else that Mm. differentiates you and positions you as a brand um, differently from another experience. So, um, Mm. yeah, and then, you know, when people talk about brand as well, they talk about the four Ps of marketing and anyone can sort of Google that and find there's lots and lots of information on Mm. that. But I do recommend to people um, something that I do, and, and this is great, is I listen to a lot of podcasts and online content as well. Mm. So I'm always about trying to further um, enhance my knowledge and skill set because mm. skills have utility. So mm. if you're continuing to drive yourself um, in that space, I think it's advantageous. And also in marketing and in lots of areas, things change mm. so often, right? And Social media and digital media is a great example of that, where new platforms are popping mm. up or emerging. It's hyper-evolving, yeah. Yeah, and to keep your finger on the pulse is actually um, not really an easy thing to do. Um, so, and, and to try and get ahead of the trends rather than being um, behind the trends. And yeah. consumer, I think consumers' expectations too of when they're... Um, working with brands the or dealing with brands these days is that brands are authentic and that they know who they are. So you've got a really strong sort of brand identity and that you're true to that in all of your touch points uh, with the guests. So that's something that the marketing team here, we focus on. So we try and look at the guest, what we call the guest journey. So that's from their very first research moment of deciding they want to come to a theme park or, Mm. you know, buying a car, right? You know, Mm. as an example, you start to research what sort of car you want to buy. And so it's what we call the pre-arrival. And then you've got the actual purchase. So for us, that's, you know, e-commerce, website, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Then we've got guest experience while they're in the parks. So that's um, the engagement and interactions with our team, all the, the amazing characters and rides mm. and shows, um, things like my team look after our mobile app, the Village Roadshow Theme Parks app. So that touch point and interaction with the guests. And then you've got the post part of the journey as well. So how do you make sure you're engaging and staying relevant to the guests after, the, after they visited the park um, to get them to circle back to ideally come again? So mm. um, I'm not sure if you've touched on in any of your other podcasts, but the... Um, 
the vision of um, Village Roadshow theme parks is to create joy and memories that mm -hmm. last lifetimes. Mm. And that lifetimes piece talks to the fact that we have visitors that come generation after generation. So you come as a kid, you create these mm. amazing memories with your family and then you bring your <coughs> children back to do the same thing. And that's part of my why as well. You know, mm. I love seeing that and just walking out in the park and um, you know, and you're having a tough day in the office and they happen now and again. Um, I'll go for a wander and yeah. um, I, nothing brings me greater joy than watching a, a kid meet Batman for the first time yeah. and the awe on their face yeah. that, is that, incredible. I say the same thing to my guys too. If you get a chance and the, the day's getting heavy, take a park walk because that's the gift of being in this position that you can walk out there and see that magic happening every day. You talk about the cross generations. I had a great moment back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, walking down Main Street of Movie World approached some guests who had a park map and looked like they were trying to find their way around. And as I'm walking toward them, the, what appeared to be the, the, the husband in the relationship is looking at me and he, he turned to his wife and spoke and then he pointed and, and I could see that they recognised I was walking toward them and thought, okay, maybe they know that I'm coming to help. And I arrived and said, hey guys, I didn't see you've got your map there. Can I, can I help you start your day? And he said, no, 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 we're fine. We, we were just looking at you because I um, just want to ask you, were, were you the pirate at SeaWorld back in the 80s? Oh, wow. And I said, oh, well, I... He was referring to the Pirates of Paradise ski show, which I was doing in my early 20s. And I said, yeah, that was a very, very long time ago. And he said, uh, yeah, we've got a photo of you in our living room holding our son in your arms for a photo at the end of the show. He's much bigger these days. But uh, we were just saying, I'm pretty sure that's the pirate from the living room. <laughs> so again, it's one of those little moments where I, I, I thanked them and I realized as I walked away, that is the power of this business. That yeah. It is cross-generational. Yeah. And sometimes you have those little moments where it comes back to you, that you get reminded of it. When, when you describe the role like you just did, there's a lot going on there with a lot of businesses that are their own ecosystems unto themselves, top golf. Just that on its own is its own thing. You talked about the SeaWorld Resort. That's its own thing. For many people, just having oversight on one of those businesses is enough to keep your cup full. With all of that going on, how do you keep yourself from getting overwhelmed with the, the burden of all of that? Is, is that something that is made easier by the, the strength of the team that's built around you? 100%. Um, uh... Our marketing team here is the most incredible team there and it's made up of incredible individuals but they work together mm -hmm. as a team and you know the output of or the sum of the output of them put together is far greater than what one or those individuals could mm. do on their own um, and culture is really important for me for our team so I try and foster um, a culture of um, honesty, openness, um, integrity amongst the team, definitely hard work, but also fun and play um, and, and having each other's back and working together. Mm. Um, I heard a really cool analogy the other day. It was like a sporting analogy and, um, and it was linking to high-performing teams and it spoke about when things get really tough, what high-performing teams together do together, and this is a bit of an analogy, but they link arms and they don't let go and they have each other's back. Mm. So, you know, it's when the tough get going, 
you know that that person has your back and um, the team in particular, like we have members whose remit might be um, PR, public relations and communications, but something will be going on in the social media area and that person will put their hand up and say, hey, I'm happy to help. I'll come along. I'll, you know, I'll do this event or um, and do something that's really technically not part of their role, but they just get in and, and support one another, which is really wonderful. But I think for me, um, I try not to sweat the small stuff. Um, I, I have an analogy called the sphere of control. Mm. And um, it's really sort of three circles and the inner circle of the things that you can directly control where you should be focusing most of your time. A circle around that, which is your sphere of influence, those things that you have an influence on, but not within your direct control. And then there's a bigger circle outside of that that are things that are just external to you and outside mm. of your control. So I try to, to place things in context there and and not be frustrated or um, impacted by those things that are outside of my control. Mm. And that helps keep me quite centered and focused on um, the good things that we're doing. And there's so much good things. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's very good, very very well uh, very well said. It's fascinating. I, I I took something out of that myself. I love the idea of the spheres. If you had to describe what was one of the bigger obstacles you had on on your uh, movement through the business as you made your way through, in terms of challenges, because we talk a lot in the podcast about evolution and and growth and moving through obstacles, and I think it's always good for people to hear other stories of other people and how they've pushed through challenges? Hmm. That's a great question. I think I've literally grown up in this business. So um, a challenge for me was um, as my career progressed and I took on more senior roles, sort of almost shaking off that perception of being a a junior member of the team Mm. um, into moving to management. And so working with other senior managers in the business and just um, getting them to recognize and acknowledge the change in my roles and responsibilities. So how I managed that was, um, you know, perceptions count. And I I talked a lot to my team about personal brand. So you, Michael Croker, you are a brand. Mm. I, Renee Suda, I am a brand. And the way that our brand is perceived is how you speak, how you dress, how you Mm. act, um, how you behave. All of those things come together to make up your personal brand. So I had to evolve my personal brand on this journey of going through being the coordinator through to being the manager through to being the general manager. Mm. So, you know, it's a little bit chameleon-esque, right? So you, you change the way you dress. Um, there's an analogy to, you know, dress for the job you want, not the job you've mm-hmm. got, um, mm-hmm. which I personally love. Um, so the way you speak, conduct, hold yourself. So I, I evolved and grew in this business um, and, I, and I watched other people's um, interactions with me change. And perceptions change, yeah. yeah. It's interesting yeah. in that space. I think it's much more challenging to evolve within a space where you are over familiar to many people. Mm. You know, I began my career as uh, an operations attendant and then suddenly being seen then to be a show announcer and then a supervisor and then and so on. You're moving through people that are seeing you from the very first role that you had. And for some people, 
you're fixed in time. Yes. Um, you're, you're that person. Um, how is it now that you're this person? And that can be a tough one. I think it's much easier when you come in from the outside sometimes. There's no history. You're a, you're a new identity and you can establish your brand and the way you're going to do business very cleanly. There's much more growth to happen in an accelerated way when you come through a system, but you do have to be able to learn resilience. Mm. And because as you're moving through, uh, as a, again, as I say, people that are very familiar with you will have an idea of what you are and will hold you in time. So that can be a challenge, but you obviously made your way through that successfully to get where you are now. Yes. Is um, when you look around and the role that you're in, do you see you in other people coming through? Do you see the, that cycle just continues? I do. Um, I definitely see in members of the marketing team, um, I see myself five years ago, 10 years ago. Mm. It's kind of almost eerie to watch. Mm. Um, but it also excites me because I know that um, there's so much like talent being fostered amongst the team that these people are going to grow and go on their journey and um, hopefully one day, you know, end up sitting in senior management roles as well. Uh, so, yeah, actually, I love doing that. And I try to acknowledge that and, and tell people about that too, like in the good and the bad, because mm. I am not perfect by any means. Mm. I don't, no one is, no right? One is, no. You know, we're all on a journey yeah. and... Um, a, a goal of mine is to be a, a tiny bit better version of myself mm. every day, you know, mm. better than the day I was the day before. Mm. Um, so I think I can also try and share some wisdom around experiences and learnings I've had mm. five years ago with someone who I can see is in that position now, um, which hopefully helps them along their journey and they don't have to quite, um, you know, um, go through the same kind of pain points than I did at yeah. that time. Because if I can share a bit of wisdom, mm. um, then hopefully it smooths their road. We obviously won't dive deep into specifics, but if we had to talk a little bit about, the, I think there's a fascinating element of your role that is related to having to connect and foster relationships, not only internally with your internal clients and your internal customers, then obviously there's the external customer within the broader market. But then you've got stakeholders within the business from Warner Brothers directly, mm -hmm. from the likes of Nickelodeon, when we're talking SeaWorld, uh, DC to, to another extent as well, when you're talking Warner Brothers Movie World. What was that experience like for you coming through where suddenly you're going to be the person in the room at the table and you're, you're dealing with some of the biggest intellectual property holders in the world, some of the biggest entertainment uh, businesses in the world and you are the representative for brand and uh, assuring these parties that their brands will be represented in a way that honors the IP what was that experience like for you coming through because that's a whole other universe unto itself mm, yeah um f like fun and exciting to be working with brands and um for full transparency, I do less so much of that now. So I have yeah. an incredible brand team who are generally the point contacts with those IPs. But when I was doing it, um, my approach and methodology has always been one of trying to be really honest and transparent when you're communicating with someone, always be respectful. Um, put yourself in their shoes. Um, and something that I still try and replay in my head these days when I'm in a conversation is, 
listen to understand don't Mm. listen to respond Mm. and I think often we can you know I catch myself sometimes I'll be in a conversation with someone and I'll have almost I'll be like waiting for them to finish because I've got the words on the tip of my tongue that I know I want to say and you almost dial out and you stop listening to what they're saying which is not not great you should really be paying attention because they've got something really important to say so trying to understand the perspective of the other person um, always being polite and professional and just being a a good person to work with too I feel Mm. like treat other people the way that you would like to be treated. And mm. so if you're prompt in your responses, you're professional, you're listening, you're understanding, empathetic, um, and just being like a good human, mm. then you foster naturally good relationships because um, they find you easy to work with. They find that you understand their position and, and they're more willing to give. And, you know, there's that old saying, um, you catch more flies with honey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't be a jerk, right? Yeah, like yeah. this, my MO um, to operate is just to come and, and be nice about it and engage in a, hopefully in a mutually beneficial relationship and situation. And there's times when you need to escalate, you need to put on that more authoritarian type hat. Um, but if you can avoid doing that just by genuinely building a strong relationship with someone, then mm. it goes a long way. Yeah, no, that's great. I have to ask you when, you, when you look back, is there a moment that stands out for you with real pride? I'm sure there's multiple moments, but if you had to pick one instinctively mm. where you go, hey, you know what, I'm really proud of, of that thing we did there. It might be a collaborative piece. Yeah. I am. I've been in the room when I've heard you applaud your team, whether it's, and I don't want to steal away a moment that you might have, but I remember the pride that you had when you premiered a, a campaign about uh, the parks as a group. It was a very holistic um, television piece about Village Roadshow theme parks and the elements that made us up. And it was very emotive. And I remember when it was done and the lights came up, we were all, you know, quietly floored by it. And I remember the pride you had in announcing mm-hmm. and presenting that. I don't want to steal that away from you. But is there a moment like that that you can remember thinking, you know what, I'm really proud of what we've done there. It's a yeah. high point. I think to, to elaborate on that one for context for everyone, that was the launch of our Village Roadshow Theme Parks Master Brand campaign. Mm-hmm. So we had always spoken about the individual theme park brands at a brand level, Movie World, Sea World, Wet n Wild, etc. This was bringing together the entire Village Roadshow Theme Parks group and also elevating our parent company being Village Roadshow um, and wanting to showcase the equity and the value in that amazing you know, Australian brand around for Oh, it started in Melbourne um, with Rock Kirby, mm. who started a drive-in cinema. Mm. Um, and then there, so there's multiple um, facets to the business, but the theme parks are one. So we aggregated or brought together all of the theme parks brand in this um, beautiful high production quality um, piece of creative. And uh, yeah, I, I, got, I get goosebumps now, even when mm. you're recounting that moment mm. to me about how proud I was. And um, we developed that in house as well. So our creative team based here out of Warner Brothers Movie World, um, conceptualized that and then put it all together. And, and it was stunning. But, can we, can, I don't mean to cut hmm. your flow, but can we just talk about how unique that is? The very fact that that content and content like that is generated out of the heart of the business within a studio that's built into the fabric Mm. of the business. We should maybe just talk a little bit about how unique that is. 
it is unique and I do reflect on it fairly regularly. So um, if I rewind five years ago, we had a creative agency on retainer. So that means that you've got an agency that you pay a monthly fee to and they do your creative strategy and then you produce ads off the back of that. They'll come pitch an idea to you or multiple ideas. You go like that one or let's do this and then off they go. Um, so we came to the realization that nobody knew our brands better than we did. Mm. And we already had um, this incredibly talented team of creatives in-house, but it was this disjointed thing where like they would do some stuff, the agency would do some stuff. And um, it meant that at times the campaigns were almost a little bit kind of disjointed mm. and which is not ideal. You want what's called an integrated marketing campaign, which means every touch point feels the same. Mm. So um, we had an opportunity to, for the launch of the DC Rivals Hypercoaster here at Warner Brothers Movie World to, um, pr to put some ad concepts together in-house. And out of that was born this, um, what's been a bit of a freight train process of getting rid of the agency on retainer and bringing all of that in-house. Mm -hmm. And now we have um, a creative director who is phenomenal um, with a team of art directors and then production teams. And they do all of our creative work from the strategy through to the production. And so the ads that you see um, for the theme parks are done with an internal studio. We, we should mention that if anyone was keen to go and have a look and try and dig around and find that one we're talking about. That was the DC Rivals Hypercoaster with the vision of the, the headline DC superheroes mm. and villains meeting on a, uh, a desolate plane with the, the Hypercoaster interacting with the environment. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it comes up out of the ground, like mm. it erupts. Yeah. Um, yeah, and these are complicated ads to produce too because we're working with IP partners like Warner Brothers and DC and they're very protective of their brands naturally mm. um, and and I respect them for that mm. and so you know we're trying to navigate well here's a cool idea we want to do and DC are like oh you got to do it this way and blah blah, blah. but we made a pretty pretty darn epic ad yeah. um, off the back of that so yeah really really proud of that I think one other moment that still ring still resonates with me was the birth of the polar bear cub at SeaWorld. So our very first little cub, Henry, who yeah. came along, and I was um, really hands-on and, and involved with that. So yeah. we um, it it was hard to market because the sh to, you can't go film a polar bear in a den. It's really yeah. dark and that sort of stuff. So we leveraged. PR and social as channels to get along, but I, um, oh, sorry, to get that word out. And just the way the Australian po population reacted yeah. when we had the birth of this polar bear at SeaWorld was incredible. Yeah. People were so excited about it. And, and we got amazing publicity coverage, yeah. um, which for essentially for anyone who isn't particularly familiar with the concept of publicity it's yeah. free right you're yeah. not paying for it it's news media so sure. working with those news media partners to get the right message out at the right time yeah. to get mass reach and then you know um henry making his debut at yeah, sea world um this gorgeous little like ball of fluff yeah. running around so playful and clumsy yeah. and, and cute uh and like i love to the conservation part of sea world which 
Um, you know, we've worked with polar bear foundations yeah. to protect bears in the wild, fundraising, and then just in general, the research and rescue work that SeaWorld does as well. And people aren't necessarily familiar no. with a lot of that work. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars that goes into marine vertebrate research every year from SeaWorld to protect um, and conserve yeah. the amazing marine population yeah. that we have here. And um, that's, that's part of my why as well, I think, mm. because I, I love animals, I love the environment, yeah. and the fact that I get to be a part of an organization that has this really um, really strong drive yeah. to, to help animals. And, um, and we can celebrate those stories yeah. more and more. You know, I remember coming up through SeaWorld and I was working alongside marine mammal trainers, and I, I remember many, many occasions where there'd, there'd be a rescue on, with a stranded animal, and there would be 24-hour rotation of trainers keeping eyes and care yeah. on that animal around a pool. Yeah. Things that people don't necessarily see or aren't aware of. But, yeah, fascinating that um, that's a side of the business that often isn't, isn't seen or appreciated. But uh, you've got people there that... Uh, uh, so committed it's it's the it's the it's journey of their cold. lives yeah three or four in the morning yeah. and tapping out and then someone else coming in just to make sure that animal's going to be okay a lot, of, yeah. a lot of love and passion runs through the business if you um had to call it what gets you up in the morning and keeps you as invigorated as you clearly are what's the is there a single thing that keeps you stimulated by this business keeps you alive for it i think it's two parts one is uh, cliche but no two days are ever the same mm -hmm. and I remember um, my, my analogy for this is oh like a maybe 18 months two years ago I remember walking into movie world and Bakash Ranhawa who's our COO who I know you've done an ep with yeah. um, he he said to me Renee we're getting tiger cubs <laughs> at paradise country in four weeks and I was like okay <laughs> so you know i just didn't see that coming right yeah, like yeah, we'd yeah. never done anything with tigers yeah. before and it was a school holiday um activation and it was amazing they were yeah. cute i got to go and meet them but i just remember walking out of his office and going wow you know t t that's so cool and i'm so excited to get to work on that um and yesterday when i went home that that was not what i was expecting yeah. tomorrow to look like so um, I love the diversity and the, um, the yeah, just the, 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 yeah, no two days are ever the same. No. And the second part is just the people, like such an incredible um, group of like leaders in this business. The culture is good. And then it, that culture and leadership flows down to the entire team. And so incredible humans mm. that do great things, the animals in particular, you know, the passion of that marine sciences team at SeaWorld um, is so admira admirable and just makes me proud to yeah. get to work with be these people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can I tell one more story that of makes course. me really proud? Just yeah. when we were talking about the polar bears. Um, another one that sticks in my mind is a, a whale rescue. We yeah. did, I think it was at Palm Beach and a um, like sub-adult whale had stranded itself on the beach and um, we got a big crew. We got SeaWorld One, which is our primary research and rescue vessel. Um, out offshore, we attached tow ropes to the, the peck fins of um, this whale, waited mm. for the high tide, made an effort to pull the whale um, back out to sea and it, we just couldn't get the whale out, right? So the first attempt failed. So then um, night came, 
Um, the crew stayed on the beach with the whale. I went home at about 10 p.m., came back at like 5 a.m. the next morning and we were getting ready to make another attempt. And by this stage, because mm. news gets out, right? So we had Today Show Live, um, Sunrise Live, and there's a big, big crowd on the beach and they were they were separated from the animal, obviously for safety reasons. So we've done the same thing, right? Attached the tow ropes, done the thing and the, the boat's there and you know she's charging and trying to pull out people, trying to push the whale. And after like three attempts, we managed to get this whale back out to sea. And the crowd just roared with joy watching this whale swim free. And then the whale like went off the beach and started breaching, you know, so yes, clearly so joyful. And for me, like, it's like moments bring Mm. tears because you've, you've saved an animal that's, um, in distress. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And just watching the joy in the, public that spread through yeah it's fantastic and it sends a message to the community that animals are important and Mm. we need to protect them and save them Mm. so um i love that too that's that's been a highlight for me in my time in the parks yeah Yeah, it's really really well said you um when you think back to the young girl that was working in the news agency and was managing the news agency (laughs) and you know now we're talking about polar bears and superman and batman and everything in between dolphins, whales and seals and sea lions. You must look back with a certain amount of pride and do you still get excited about what's ahead? Oh, so excited. Yes, I'm so proud um, and I'm pumped. We have got such a big year coming up and mm. you know I think we'll have an announcement in a couple of months' time with some new attractions coming in yeah. uh, and, and our events. You know, we'll have Fright Nights back this year, which I'm stoked about because it's one yeah. of my favourite events. Um, yeah, I, I'm so invigorated. Um, we've also had a bit of a, a change recently with a private equity coming in, BGH yes. Capital, and I'm so excited about that too because yeah. I think it's it's new capital, it's new opportunities, it's new ideas, yeah. and the business is only going to grow and go from strength to strength. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm well pumped. Yeah, <laughs> good <laughs> on you. That should be a slogan on a t-shirt. <laughs> hey. I'm well pumped. Yes. Maybe it's like a gym, like a training t-shirt or something. Yeah, yeah. Know. And we could get pump water involved. Yeah, you might be onto something. <laughs> you want to know that you're wearing a shirt like that and that you truly are well pumped if you're going to put that shirt That's on. That's true, actually. Yeah. 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 I don't know it's if we should. We need to personal, talk any more about it. Personal brand. <laughs> personal brand. <laughs> yeah. I might take that idea away and do something. <laughs> Maybe uh, I'm, I'm well plumped. Will be the mm. there we go. Mm, that's I, the counter. Oh yeah, I'll get that one and then transition <laughs> into the pumped one. Renee, thanks for sitting down here on Park Life. It's been terrific to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. See you soon. See ya. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode. You'll find Park Life on Twitter and me, Michael Croker, on Instagram at Mike underscore Croker. See you next time.